Dear God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. To you we give this day. Amen. You probably won't hear this from many people when they walk up to preach, but I did not want to preach this sermon. In fact, I didn't want to use this scripture. If I was going to, use, if I was going to talk to you about the past year of my life, I would have said that it was a time of moving from dark to light. If I was going to pick a scripture that was a touchstone for me as I did, this would have been it. And to be honest, the last thing I wanted to do was stand up here and talk to you all about it. I tried to write a different message. I tried to find another way to talk about what it means to move from the dark and into the light. And I tried to find a way to not have to do this. But here I am. Given a text that I'm called to be faithful to, here I am. See, a little over 10 years ago, like most 14-year-olds, yeah, count it, I'm 25, I'm young. <laughs> I struggled with who I was, and I was struggling with sexual sin. And much like other kids who were in that place, I made some pretty poor decisions as a result. Now, don't sp spend time trying to figure out what it is. It's really not that important. But what is important is at the same time, I considered myself a committed Christian. I attended youth group, I read the Bible, I prayed. I loved going to church because I, I felt like I was a part of a community. I loved going to youth group because I felt like it was fun. But I hated going to it at the same time because I was constantly reminded that the things that I was doing was wrong. And I tried as hard as I could to keep these two parts of my life from one another as I possibly could. I lived in fear. I lived in fear that if people knew me, if they knew what I was doing or what I had done, that they would leave me. Well, this fear was realized when a good friend saw something and started to catch on. And when he started to catch on, I started to lie. I lied to convince him that what he thought he had seen wasn't what he thought he saw, and he bought it, and he moved on. Yet, as I'm sure many of you know, like most lies, this one grew. And all of a sudden, I was lying to my friends, to my family. I was lying to everyone. And all of a sudden, this thing that I said in the heat of a moment became a well-scripted story that I told to keep people away from the truth because I was afraid. I was afraid if people knew me, if they knew about this part of my past, that they would leave me. And I continued to tell this lie throughout high school and college. Well, about a year ago, I should say in that time, I walked away from that behavior that landed me there in the first place. And I experienced healing as I did. And instead of owning up to my past then, I told myself that that wasn't an issue anymore. I'd been healed. I don't need to worry about this. I didn't see a need to talk about it because in my mind, I wasn't sure it mattered anymore. And I didn't really trust that people who knew me and who liked me could know about this part of my past and continue to like me. And so I continued to lie. I lied so much that I didn't even realize I was telling a lie. I pushed the truth as far down deep as I possibly could with the hope that it would never have to see the light of day. Well, things started happening a year ago. God started moving in my life, and I won't go into all of them, but they culminated shortly after I joined a counseling group. Our counselor had us start by beginning and telling our life stories, and I was asked to go first. So I told my story. Or I should say, I told my lie. And then the next guy went. And he told a story that was so full of pain that I didn't even know where to begin. I didn't know how to process what he had said. 
But what amazed me was he was more honest about himself and his past than I, I, I'd never witnessed anyone else be this honest before. And my astonishment was is that the other guys listened to him and they accepted him. And for the first time in 10 years, I sat there thinking, maybe I can tell my story. I realized that these were guys that I could trust, that they would be able to hold my story in confidence as I made sense of my past and my life. And I was moved by the Holy Spirit. The words of our psalm today rang in my heart. I look up to the mountains, and where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And in that moment, I thought that maybe I could be honest. And I was convicted. And I thought that maybe for the first time in 10 years, I could walk out of the darkness and into the light. So I prayed about it. I journaled about it. And I realized that I did need to confess. I realized that I needed to tell the truth. And so a few weeks later, I came to group, and I asked if I could revise my story. I asked if I could be honest. And I spoke honestly about myself and my past the first time in 10 years, and it was one of the most freeing moments of my life. And in that moment, I stopped living in shame and in fear, and I started to live. So as I was reading the scripture for today, and I was wrestling with the fact that this is what I had to preach on, I realized that I couldn't find a way to talk about what it means to move from the dark and into the light without talking about my journey with God in the past year. And so I share this with you. I share it with you in light of the work that God has done in my life because I didn't think it was fair for me to stand up here and preach at you about something that I was unwilling or unable to do myself. I felt that it would have been trite, that it would have been arrogant, and that it would have been insensitive. And my hope and my prayer is, is that as, as we explore what it means to move from the darkness and into the light, that despite the pain that we all feel at times when we're exposed for who we are, is that we would trust that Jesus Christ will meet us in the middle of that pain and walk with us into the light. Well, this summer we've been walking through the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. And leading up to our passage for today, Paul has spent a great deal of time reminding this community of who Jesus is. That he is the one who met them in the middle of their death. That they were dead in their transgressions and Jesus Christ made them alive. That Jesus is the one who was able to take the Jews and the Gentiles and make them whole. Paul wants them to know how wide and long and high and deep the love of Jesus Christ is. The love that met them in the darkness in the first place. He wants them to know that Jesus Christ is the essential starting point for any discussion about those whom he has saved. Paul tells us that Jesus is the one who speaks the truth in love and calls us to do the same. And so Paul models what that looks like by shifting in chapter 5 from who Jesus is to who, excuse me, to how those who follow Jesus should define and conduct themselves. Well, as we dig into the text, it appears that there were some issues in the Ephesian community. There were members who were caught up in sexual immorality, impurity, and greed, and Paul calls this idolatry. He hears this and tells them to wake up and to walk as children of the light. 
And he characterizes their deeds as those of the dead. And he reminds them that the dead have no inheritance in the kingdom of God and that they are subject to God's wrath. And he implores them, walk away from this lifestyle. Walk away from the lifestyle of the dead. And he makes it clear to them that when they accepted Jesus Christ, they stopped understanding themselves in light of the world because such a thing doesn't exist. He tells them that it is only in the light of Jesus Christ that they know who they are. He adds that their dark works may seem hidden now, but that the light of Christ exposes them for what they are and makes them visible. In this passage, he calls them to move from death and into life. He calls them to move from darkness to light. Now, as I was preparing for today, I got pretty frustrated with Paul here. In the middle of this passage, he gives this command. You were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord and live as children of the light. And I sat in the middle of that and I just thought, Paul, you think that this is something that is simple. This is something that took me 10 years to do in my own life. We can't just flippantly say to people, oh, walk in the light. And as I read this, I wondered, why isn't Paul taking into account that realizing you're someone or that you're somewhere you don't want to be can be a very painful experience? That this experience can induce shame and anger and fear. And while our circumstances may be different, I think this is something that we can all relate to. Because I'm willing to bet that at some point, each of us has looked in the mirror and been unhappy with what we see. We've all reached points in our lives where we feel the darkness closing in and bringing with it an overriding sense of hopelessness. And so how can Paul just say, walk as a child of the light? Well, I was frustrated and I sat there and thought about it and I realized that the problem is I can get as frustrated with Paul as I want, but the command stays the same. And it's a command because we don't have another choice but to walk as children of the light. We don't get to have it both ways. We're either dead or we're alive. And if Jesus has made us alive, then we need to accept that we are alive and we need to stop living as if we were dead. When I was in college... I went to Whitworth, and a professor of mine, Jerry Sitzer, spoke to me once about what it means, about his experience of feeling hopeless and in the dark. And he had suffered a pretty significant loss in his life. And he said that after that, he felt like he was walking in the middle of this waking dream, and that the sun was setting in the west, and he was running after it, frantically trying to catch it. And he dreamed that he couldn't, that he was losing the race, and that soon the sun was gone and he felt exhausted and he stopped running. He fell to the ground and he was in despair because he wanted the sun's warmth and light, but he couldn't get to it. He said he felt terror in his soul and he thought that he would live in the darkness forever. See, Paul spent so much time explaining who Jesus is so that we would know what the light is. He spent so much time explaining this so that we would recognize that we're in the dark. Because in the light of Jesus Christ, we are confronted with who we are. 
We're subject to knowing the pain of our sin, and then we're called to take the steps to deal with it. And the impulse here is is to run west, to chase after the sun as it sets without dealing with the baggage that we have. And the problem is when we do this is we just get glimpses of the sun. We never get to rest in its warmth. And living this way can leave us feeling as hopeless as Jerry did. We know what the light is, but we can't seem to get to it. And so we fall into despair. Well, a few weeks later, Jerry had been feeling this way, and he was talking to his sister. She listened to him, and she listened to him explain this dream that he was, felt like he was in, thought about it, and said to him that the quickest way for anyone to reach the sun isn't to run west chasing after it as it sets, but it's to head east to plunge into the darkness and reach the sun as it rises. Jerry said in that moment, life began to make sense. He began to wrap his head around the realization that he needed to deal with the loss in his life and that it would be painful. But that as he confronted it, that Jesus Christ would walk with him and that he needed to trust The same message applies for us today. While it seems so much easier to run west, it seems so much easier just to settle for glimpses of the light, this is not what Jesus is calling us to. The harder task is to run east. The harder task is to plunge into the darkness, to be carried by Jesus Christ and reach the light. And this is the assurance that we have in Jesus, that he will plunge into the darkness with us, that he will feel the pain of our sin with us, and that he will show us the light. As we do this, Frederick Buechner, who's a favorite of mine, but he's a pastor and writer, and he calls us to be stewards of our pain. He says that to be a steward of our pain is to keep in touch with it. To remember our pain as a place from where we have come. Because in pain, as with joy, we realize our need for God and for others. It's in our pain we realize how powerless we are to deal with our sin on our own. And he adds that by living honestly and openly about the pain of our past and in our present, that we begin to live from our depths instead of our shallows. Because we live from the truth of our experience with Jesus Christ. By plunging into the darkness, you take the first steps towards the light. You begin to learn and see what is true for you in your life. You allow yourself to grow out of it. You allow yourself to be you. The you that God created. The you that God loves and the you that God longs for you to be. You are able to tell your own sad story in a way that enables others to steward their own pain. And as you do this, by the grace of Jesus Christ, you'll be healed. Paul makes it clear that when you don't become alive is what it means to live in the dark. When you bury or hide the truth of your life because you're afraid that you were in the darkness, or you don't have the courage to face your pain, you stay there. You stay in the dark and you act as if you were dead. 
At the end of our scripture for today, Paul writes to the Christians in Ephesus, and he quotes an early church baptismal hymn, which reads, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ's light will shine on you. Excuse me, Christ will shine on you. Here Paul is trying to say as clearly as he possibly can that when we were dead in our transgressions, Jesus Christ met us and made us alive. That this font represents the moment that we were raised to life in Jesus Christ. And he's saying this to the community for a couple reasons. One, he wants them all to know that they were once all dead in their sins and that Christ met them all and brought them all to life. And the second is, he wants those who are still in the dark to hear a message of hope. He is saying to them, remember your baptism. Remember the moment at which you were made alive. Remember. And if you're acting as if you're dead now, stop. Stop and remember your baptism. Remember that Christ will seek you out as he did in the past and that you just need to be willing to take the steps with him. Well, the other thing we have to consider here is that Paul is not writing this letter to a a single person. It's to the community. And he's drawing a line in the sand. And he's saying that this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. This is who Jesus is, and this is who you're called to be. And he puts this responsibility on the community as a whole when he clearly calls them all to be children of the light. The other day I was reading and I came across this story. There's a man, he's walking down the street, and he falls into a hole. The walls are so steep that he can't seem to find a way out. He notices a doctor walk by above and he says, Hey, doc, can you help me out? I'm stuck down in this hole and I can't get out. Well, the doctor writes a prescription, drops it in the hole, and he moves on. (laughs) Helpful, I know. Well, then a priest walks by, and the guy shouts up, Father, Father, I'm down here in this hole. Can you help me out? The priest writes a prayer, hopes that he knows that God will meet him in the middle of this, this, and that God will be present, drops it in the hole for him to contemplate, and moves on. Then a friend walks by, and the guy yells, Hey, Joe! It's me. I'm stuck here. I'm down in this hole. Without hesitating, his friend jumps down in, and our our guy goes, what are you, stupid? Now we're both down here. The friend looks at him and goes, yeah, but I've been down here before, and I know the way out. We're called to walk with those who are in the dark. We're called to jump down in the hole and live in a way that allows people to get a glimpse of what it means to live in the light, of what it means to live in Jesus. However, oftentimes we, the community, we end up serving as judge and jury. We entrench people who are in the dark to stay there because they're afraid of how we might respond. We've got to work on this. We've got to learn how to live in a way that honors the shame and the fear that they have while still calling them to walk in the light of Christ so that they can begin to be the people that God is calling them to be. We need to be stewards of our own pain in a way that enables others to trust that Jesus Christ will meet them in their pain. And where a trusting and confidential relationship exists, we need to allow people to confess. 
we need to allow people to take that first step into the light. Because if we've walked out of the darkness and we've walked into the light, the call upon our lives is to walk with others as they do the same. In our scripture for today, Paul says that we will know that we are living as children of the light when we bear the fruit of the light. He names them as goodness, righteousness, and truth. By being a steward of the moments of pain in your life, you bear witness to the essential truth that Jesus Christ is the starting point for your life. You bear witness to the truth that if you were in the darkness, that Jesus met you, and that if you are end up there again, that he'll meet you there as well. You bear the fruit of the light by bearing witness to the goodness and righteousness and truth of your experience with Jesus Christ. You show them the way. And that's why I shared my story with you. Not because it's something that's comfortable or something that I enjoy talking about, because it's what I'm called to do. It's what's true for me. In one way or another, we've all got stuff where Christ has met us that we're, we feel kind of uncomfortable talking about. Stuff that, makes, that we wish no one, we never would have to mention. Things that we would like to keep in the dark. And I share this feeling with you. I get it. But we're called to bear witness to the truth that in the middle of our pain, Jesus Christ met us and allowed us to experience freedom. We're called to try and show others the way. If we fail to do this, if we try to hide it, then we fail to bear witness to the power of Jesus and we let the shame and the fear of our past win again. By walking with others in their pain, we continue to bear witness to the truth that Jesus Christ loves each one of us despite who we are and that he runs headlong into the darkness to find all of us. To those of you who are in the dark, hear this as a message of hope. Sure, your story may be very different than mine. You may be dealing with a pain that I couldn't begin to understand. And despite the different paths we are on, we share the same assurance in Jesus Christ that he walks down all paths and meets us. We just have to be willing to take steps with them into the light. If you're feeling that you're in the dark, I want to encourage you to find someone you trust let them into your pain. Don't bury the lie like I did. Don't deal with who you are and ask someone to walk with you as you do. Because the reality is that everybody does not need to know everything about you. But in some way, everything needs to be known. Fungus grows in the dark. When light shines on it, it dies. The things you choose to keep in the dark will continue to grow. Let the light of Christ shine on them so that you can be the person God's called you to be. Know that Jesus Christ loves you too much to leave you in the dark and that he will continue to pursue you. And realize that there are places here that you can find help. Participate in our inner healing prayer ministry. Meet with a pastor. Talk with a friend. Join a small group. Whatever it is, take that step towards the light. The prophet Isaiah foretold the birth of Christ. And as he did, he said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. 
and on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. A light came into the world. That light is Jesus Christ. And as we look at the cross, we remember that out of the greatest darkness, that out of the greatest sadness and the greatest pain, we encountered the living God. And that that pain was endured in love and faithfulness. And out of that sorrow came the greatest hope, the greatest beauty, and the greatest power. It is that power that shines into the dark corners in the world and calls humanity to life. Remember this cross. Remember the moment that the God who hung on that cross met you and walked with you into the light. Remember this and live as a child of the light. And if, you, and if as you do this, walk with others and help them to do the same. Would you pray with me? God, we come before you as people who love you, as people who want to grow in our relationship with you. We're thankful that you met us in our death and that you made us alive. Continue to remind us of how much you love us by reaching into the darkness and pulling us out. Help us to walk alongside others as they are in the dark. Help us to be the people that you've called us to be. In your holy and precious name, we give our lives to you. Amen.